Amanda, remember that time that Rudolph was actually a Canadian woman? to remember that time in historical podcast i'm your host amanda webb and i'm your host anna webb and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history and it's still the holiday season (laughs) (laughs) also as soon as i started speaking on this recording it was dead silent before and the second words started coming out of my mouth the people upstairs started walking around (laughs) i was like you're joking um, anyway, Classic. so here we are. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay. I have episode. my partner and my friend are in the other room, and I feel observed. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, I know that I'm not. I just you're feel literally observed. behind a closed door. Yeah, but you're but like, still. Oh, they can hear me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here we are with another holiday episode. Yes, nice. we love it. Would you mm-hmm. like a holiday drink update? Of course. Well, I'm having some holiday wine, and by that Lovely. I mean wine, red wine. <laughs> I'm having some holiday water, and by that I mean water. So festive. So festive. (laughs) What a festive beverage. I, again, almost made hot chocolate, but I just didn't have the time. We were recording this, like, as soon as I was done working today, Uh um, and I just didn't take the time to do it. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, are you ready? Should we just get into it? Yeah, we're doing another holiday episode. Yes, we're going to talk about Rankin Bass, um, the production company that made many, many, many of our favorite holiday classics, which mm-hmm. we are going to talk about here in a in a little bit, including Rudolph. Rudolph. This is a, right. oddly a, we without meaning to our theme for this holiday season became Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It just happened, and we're yeah. our, we are that's the one we're going to talk about most. The rest yeah. of them we're kind of going to gloss over, but Rudolph we're going to talk about. A yeah. Just so, how it goes sometimes. Yeah, we love that little deer with the red nose. What are we you going to do? do? You know? Okay. So Rankin Bass Animated Entertainment um, is founded on September 14th, 1960 by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. Um, it's originally called Videocraft International Limited. Um, and we'll touch back on that here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur Rankin Jr. is, we're just going to give a little bit of background to each of the players in this story here. Sure. Um, there, there isn't a ton about their lives out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find much in the way of like actual biographical information. Huh. Everything I found for the most part is in here. So <laughs> there's wow. not a ton. Because, uh, you know, everybody wants to hear the history of, like, the movies and the production, sure. I guess. So, I don't know. So, Arthur Rankin... Arthur, wow. Arthur Rankin. Arthur Rankin. Rankin. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be one of those. <laughs> okay. Arthur Rankin Jr. is Crush born it. on July 19th, 1924 in New York City um, to actor Arthur Rankin and Mignon Clem who was also in show business. Um, but they, his parents divorced when they're pretty young. So the mother figure that you're going to mostly see in reference to his life is his stepmom, um, Marion Mansfield. She's also an actress. She's a mm. singer. Um, 
His paternal grandmother is the actress Phyllis Rankin, and his paternal step-grandfather, um, who actually adopted his fa- father, Arthur Rankin huh. Sr., um, was an actor, Harry Davenport, um, and he played Dr. Mead in Gone with the Wind. Oh. So it's a showbiz fam. Indeed. But um, an acting showbiz fam, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, because he is not an actor. Right. Um, and he actually starts his career as an art director for the American Broadcasting Company, or ABC, in the 1940s. And that's where he ends up meeting Jules Bass. So that's, like, it, really all we know about his life before. Life and childhood and stuff. We're going to talk a little bit more about, like, well, you know, we'll touch on his marriage and stuff at the end. But um, not at the end, but toward the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of all we know. We don't really know anything about his young life. Hmm. Um, Jules Bass is born on September 16th, 1935 in Philadelphia. Um, his father uh, is a wholesale beer salesman. Um, and his mother is a homemaker. Mm. Um, I found a little bit more about Jules Bass, which, again, we're going to touch on here and then a little bit later. I The most I found about their personal lives were actually from the, like, I guess you could call them obituaries that the New York Times wrote about them. Oh, okay. So that's where a decent amount of the, like, personal anecdotes come from, actually. Um, Jules Bass, during his teenage years, actually caught scarlet fever and nearly died. Oh, my gosh. So isn't that wild? We almost didn't have any of this. Um, He does attend New York University, and he studies marketing from 1952 to 1954, but he doesn't graduate from there. Um, and then around 1955, he starts working at ABC as well. So Rankin is working as an art director. Bass is working as a copywriter. Um, and initially they work um, together on TV commercials. Mm. Um, sometimes those would be animation. Sometimes they wouldn't. They represented uh, General Electric um, and the A&P supermarket chain. And around 1960, they decided to form their own production company called Videocraft International Limited. Um, And they make sort of a harder move to animation. Uh, It's not all animation. There are Rankin-Bass live-action things. um, But they they lean into it a lot more. Um, And they start making more TV series and movies. So one of their first projects is an independently produced TV series, um, which starts in 1960 called The New Adventures of Pinocchio, which is, of course, based on the Italian novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio. Mm. And this series is made with enigmatic, which is hard to say. But that is stop motion, mm-hmm. um, which is using figurines or puppets. Um, and this process is actually pioneered by George Powell's Puppetoons um, and Art Cloakey's Gumby, which is a mm-hmm. classic, um, and Davy and Goliath. So I think really pretty much everybody that, um, knows. <laughs> right. Ahead. That's really interesting. The next... Um... Pinocchio movie that's coming out is gonna be stop motion again. Yeah, it's that's Guillermo right. Del Toro's. Yeah. We're like wrapping back around. That is true. It's a little more puppety, I think. The new one, right? No, it's stop motion. But it they look more like puppets. Is what kinda, I mean. kinda, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I guess they're all technically puppets. But mm -hmm. if you don't, if you happen to not know what stop motion is, essentially you take a figurine, like a puppet, or sometimes they're clay or something. Claymation is uh, when it's clay. Yes, yeah. is when it's clay. Um, and they, you basically just take pictures of each frame. So each single frame of the animation is like a photograph that then gets put together. So it's very tedious. Stand in the place where you live. <laughs> it's a really specific reference. I love it. To Parks one. and Recreation. So, yeah, Can a depressed so person make this? <laughs> um, so Franken Bass obviously does not create stop motion right <laughs> but it does become a staple of their their movies mm -hmm. um the next year in 1961 they produce the series tales of the wizard of oz which is of course an adaptation of the novel the wonderful wizard of oz by frank l baum um, and that is their first production to use traditional cell animation. So it's just okay. normal animation that we usually mm -hmm. see. Drawings, hand-drawn yep. at this time. And later on, that is expanded into their first primetime special called Return to Oz, and it is on NBC in 1963. Um, so this is kind of around the time that they changed the name of their company to Rankin-Bass, so Rankin-Bass Productions. Um, and it's right before they produce the television special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which comes uh, out in 1964. Lovely. If you want to hear the story about that story, listen to our last episode. <laughs> yeah, we're going to touch on it in just a second. Uh-huh. So the special is produced for NBC and General Electric sponsors this production. Sure. So the other two before, when I say they were independently produced, that means that the company like paid for them. They didn't have any outside sponsors. But mm -hmm. this one... General Electric did sponsor. Mm -hmm. um, it is a stop motion animation adaption of Robert L. May's 1939 story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which Amanda talked about last mm -hmm. time. Um, and it's also based on that 1949 song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was written by May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks. Mm -hmm. Um it had actually already been adapted into a cartoon yes. in 1948 um, by Max Fleischer, um, who, but it was a it was in a, a traditional cell animated short mm -hmm. for the Jam Handy Film Company, <laughs> which I love that name. Um, but this is obviously different. It's a fuller length special, and like I said, it's that stop motion animation. Mm -hmm. Um. Burl Ives is brought on to play the role of Sam the Snowman, who Indeed. is also the narrator of the story. And the title character, Rudolph, is voice voiced by the Canadian actress, Billy Mae Richards. Um, and when you look at the initial or the original um, uh, credits, I think that she's listed as Billy Richards because like with a Y they her name is spelled with an IE but they spell it with a Y because they didn't want people to know it was a woman voicing this huh. little boy deer I Interesting. guess I think That's they normal, thought it though I think they have... would they thought it would cause people to be like oh I don't because people weren't cool about stuff yeah then, you know <laughs> I, I wonder I wonder if well, they did that often now. then because it, it's always been normal for women to voice small children characters yeah. especially young boys um but i i now i'm wondering just to myself if they used to, to change the names like that because that it has been a thing for a really long time it's very normal yeah probably that happened a lot I interesting guess. 
So Burlives' parts are actually recorded later. Um, he and his character are added into the cast just before the end of production after NBC and GE encouraged Rankin and Bass to bring on a more household name. They wanted somebody who would be familiar. Sure. Um, so they bring him on a little bit later and the character designer, Anthony Peters, intentionally makes the snowman look like him. I knew that, that they yeah. make the snowman look like Burl Ives. And he right. carries a banjo because he's a folk singer. Yes. And yeah. Right, right. Um, Johnny Marks, who composed the original song, composes the score. He does an orchestral score for the movie. Um, And, of course, Rudolph becomes one of the most popular and one of the longest-running Christmas specials in television history. Not one of the longest, the longest-running. Yeah, I guess, technically. Re-aired Christmas special in television history. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I I don't know... If Charlie Brown is as long? Mm-mm. This I, is the longest okay. running. Mm-hmm. Well, it's up there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. So um, it remains with NBC until around 1972, and then it moves to CBS. Um, in 2019, when it had its 55th anniversary, it aired on um, Freeform, which when I was a kid was called ABC, ABC Family, Family, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and... The special contains seven original songs, um, and I actually didn't know this. In 1965, a new song is filmed to replace the We're a Couple of Misfits song, and it's called Fame and Fortune. Huh. I don't know if I've ever why? heard it, because why would you replace that song? It's a great song. Yeah, they, they still air it with yeah. We're a Couple of Misfits. misfits. Yeah, why? I, don't know. I have huh. no idea. There's like nothing. I can't think of anything actively wrong with that song that would make them want no, to replace it. No, maybe they it. just wanted a different, I don't know. Why, <laughs> I don't why know. Did we, why did we replace the bangers and not the boring lady songs? <laughs> oh my gosh. Which all of those Christmas the movies che- You know, the Cheer Up Charlie songs? The Cheer Up Charlie That's what songs, I call them. Yeah. You know yes, the song in the movie is. that you skip? It's the Cheer Up Charlie song. Yeah. Everybody skips Cheer the, Up it's, Charlie. It's either Cheer Up Charlie or, or it's the old oh man song. One or the other. It I said everybody skips it in The Wizard of Oz. That's not the movie. No. It's Charlie or it's Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God almighty, I'm losing it today. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, so I don't know, but they did. Um, Rankin and his team of, you know, designers and animators did the original concept designs and storyboards. And then the animation is done by MOM Productions in Tokyo. And they actually do a lot of the animation for Rankin Bass. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the people who did their animation and productions now. Um, I'm actually just going to read this full quote because it's the best way of understanding like who whose hands were in the pot, right? Okay. Rankin Bass's traditional animation output was done by several animation studios such as Tohei Animation, Aiken, formerly known as TJC, um, Mushi Production, and uh, especially Topcraft, which was formed on February 1st, 1972. I'm going to skip over a little bit here. Um, While several several of Topcraft's staff, including Hara and industry legends such as Hayato Miyazaki, Mm -hmm. would go on to form Studio Ghibli. Yes. um, You know, they some others actually went off and formed another studio called Pacific Animation Corporation, and that that studio continued to work with Rankin and Bass for quite a while. Imagine if Studio Ghibli had continued working with. That would Rain be interesting. It would be a would different feel. Very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so interesting. I don't know if they fit the Rankin Bass brand. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, no, but that would have been so interesting. Yeah, oh, but isn't it be. cool? I didn't I know that the people who started Studio Ghibli used to work with uh, Rankin work Bass. With Rankin Bass so. Huh, that is yeah. very interesting. Now here's something else that's interesting. So, you know, they have these kind of big name talents in their movies, such as Burl Ives and more that we'll touch on in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But a lot of their voice actors are from Canada. They have their own company of voice actors. Mm. Um, and they're based in Toronto um, for a, like two main reasons. So first is that production costs are much lower in Canada. Which is still true. Yeah. And second, they have a really deep pool of actors because while while the production of radio specials had mostly gone away in the U.S., they were still happening in Canada. So uh, they had this big pool of voice actors, voice actors doing radio specials, and it was really easy to find people to come on and do, you know, mm-hmm. voice action for animation. Yeah. Well, and that's probably also why they had a company, because that's more common with yeah. radio. Is your that is true. Company yeah. of actors, and that's interesting. Yeah, they basically just had this pool that they would get people uh-huh. from for whatever they needed uh-huh. um yeah so i miss those days when yeah. voice actors acted in movies instead Me of any too. guy off the street i don't mind like a celebrity here or there right. but when it's but, the whole cast but does chris on. pratt need to be mario Absolutely no not. And there do you know are what? mario voice actors that can, can we be go, mario can we go off a, d- a rabbit trail for just yeah. a second about this topic yeah. okay so it all started when robin williams played the genie correct in aladdin and he said he was hesitant to do it because he didn't want to create a world where celebrities are being brought on to do the jobs mm-hmm. of voice actors he almost didn't right. do it yeah and here we are. He knew. Yep. He been he knew. He and did. again, I don't mind it sometimes. Like a yeah. Robin Williams spot or Danny DeVito in Hercules. Brilliant. Like, like I'm thinking I'm thinking about the Mario movie, right? Jack Black as Bowser would have is the yes. perfect pull. That's yes. who you want, right? But they already have voice actors. Voice actors, actors for all the other characters. characters. I know. Okay, anyway, so let's talk about Rudolph again. I'm I'm so mad about so much. (laughs) Anyway, the spirit of Christmas. um, Okay, so most of the puppets that are used in Rudolph were not very well preserved. I knew this. Um, I've heard this before. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about the the puppets here. um, Uh Because they, they didn't anticipate it. Was going to be this big thing. They were just making the longest a TV running television special. Is a special of history. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rankin actually claimed later in like 2007 that he had one of the original Rudolph figures, but who knows? Um, nine of the other puppets, including Santa and Young Rudolph, are given to a secretary who then gave them to family members. Yeah. Um, seven of them are eventually discarded. Yes. So I don't know what happened to those. It's wild. Um, in 2005, the remaining two puppets of Rudolph and Santa are appraised on Antiques Roadshow on um, PBS. <gasps> I want to um, watch that episode. Yeah, and it's from 2006, so huh. you could probably find it with that information. Uh-huh. Um, their appraised value was between $8,000 and $10,000. Oh, there have to be um, more than that. Well, they had been damaged oh. because they'd been played with by kids and stored Uh in attics so they weren't in like amazing condition right but they're still the only ones left even in poor condition that has to be super valuable don't worry amanda they're gonna get their real value in a minute so a toy collector buys them eventually and has them restored oh good and then they're kind of frequently showed at like conventions and stuff 
Um, and then on November 13th, 2020, they're sold at auction for $368,000. Yeah, that's sort of more what I was thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. And then on December 22nd of that year, they're donated to the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, cool. So now so. they could, that belongs in a museum. Yeah, that's their home now. Yeah. So um, they were, they eventually got their, uh, their due cost, I guess. Cool. Um. Still on Rudolph here. Burl Ives is the only actor from the special to receive residuals. And his estate still gets them. Um, Because he passed away in like 1995. um, So his estate still gets residuals. The other main cast voices only received $1,000 over three years after the original airing. Um, In some years, Amanda, this special has made up to $100 million. And that's that's all they've gotten. Um, Billy, who voiced Rudolph at one point, remarked, like, the pay, you know, she wasn't super happy with. But ultimately, didn't she didn't really complain. She she was, like, really happy to have gotten to be part of it and said that, like, the working conditions were great. It's just, you know, that was what the pay was then. That was what the contract and he was. was and a big he was name. the big name, so he and, had a better contract. And, and he did all the music, so he had a better contract. Yeah, and residuals weren't really as much, Very a, much thing. a thing then yeah. it was like okay well we'll make this exception and pay him the residuals and he's still they're still making bank off of it you uh-huh. know which is interesting because i don't know would burl ives have had the lasting power if he weren't in stuff like this i don't know oh I th- he was already a very popular folk he was but he so were i mean so were a lot of other people yeah you know that this the lasting power is yeah you know sometimes there's one thing that it hinges on yeah um, okay, so that's, I'm not going to go too much more into Rudolph, because, um, you know, it's not all about Rudolph, right? Um, but the success of that special leads to other holiday specials. Um, it starts with The Cricket on the Hearth in 1967. And then in 1968, they do a Thanksgiving special called huh. The Mouse on the Mayflower. Oh, cute. Um, so within the production company, Rankin would sometimes direct... Um, but for the most part, he would create the scripts and sketch the character concepts, which would then be made into the wooden puppets by Japanese artists. Um, Bass wrote most of the lyrics for a lot of the films that he directed, and he would collaborate with the composer Maury Laws. Um, and this started with his first solo directing project, which was a like live action and stop motion feature called The Daydreamer in sure. 1966. Um, he also wrote some of the specials in series under a pseudonym, Julian P. Gardner. And Rankin would sometimes use this too. It, huh. was, it was a combination of Jules' name and the name of one of Rankin's sons. Huh. So it was like... A, you know, mishmash name that sometimes they would use. I don't know why or when they would choose to, but sometimes they did. Um, And then, of course, they do many other specials based on classic Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. So in 1968, The Little Drummer Boy. Uh In 1969, Frosty the Snowman, which is um, not stop motion. Right. But, you know. Still a um, classic. And then, of course, in 1970, Santa Claus is coming to town where they get another big name, Fred Astaire, uh-huh. to be the narrator, S.D. 
Kluger or special delivery Kluger. He's the mm-hmm. mailman. We had a Rankin Bass DVD collection that we oh yeah had all of those Christmas that little red box. Yeah, I think it's still. I might have no. I feel like I think it's still at home. I might have it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so. Those are big ones. In 1971, they produced their first Easter special, Here Comes uh, Peter Cottontail. Oh, yeah. Um, with Danny Kaye as the narrator. Right, 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 right. Um, Seymour as Sassafras. And Vincent Price as the evil rabbit, January Q, Iron Tail. Yes, Iron Tail was so scary. And Casey Kasem as Peter Cottontail. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and actually, I didn't realize this, but it is not based on the song. You know, here comes Peter Cottontail. It's not uh-huh. based on the song. It's based on a 1957 novel by Priscilla and Otto Friedrich called The Easter Bunny That Overslept. Interesting. Yeah. Hold on. I need a, a drink. Okay. We're busting through this one. <laughs> Okay, in 1974, Rankin Bass produces The Year Without a Santa Claus, um, which is like one of their first Christmas specials not based on a song. Yeah, it's an original <laughs> story. Yes, it is an original story. Um, Shirley Booth plays Mrs. Claus. Mickey Rooney is Santa. Again, he's been Santa in another special. Um, and... Of course, Snow Miser and Heat Miser are featured in this one. And again, Mr. Heat Miser. Oh, yeah, classic. all over my TikTok this time of year. Oh, because yeah. people do the makeup where they yeah, do yeah. their face. And I love it. People do it every year. It makes mm. me really happy. Um, even though this was not one of my, I didn't watch this one every year. This wasn't one that was like always on my list. No, I've only seen it a um, couple of times. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great, but... Mm. Um, and I didn't know this, but it was actually remade into, like, a live action and special effects TV movie. I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it was on NBC in 2006, and it starred Delta Burke and John Goodman as Mr. Cla- as Santa and Mrs. Claus. Huh. I don't think I watched it. <laughs> I don't think I did either, but don't I vaguely remember I that. I don't have any memory of it. Which is weird. You would think Delta Burke and John Goodman. You'd think I'd remember that. But yeah. I don't know. Um, in 1977, Fred Astaire returns to play S.D. Kluger in The Easter Bunny is Coming to Town. And they tell the Easter Bunny's origin story instead that. of Santa's. It's so com- interesting that like one production company could make their entire living off of just holiday movies. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what they made other stuff, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But yeah. the big one, I mean, what do we the, know? Their money for? makers were all their holiday movies, right? When when you say Rankin Bass, people think of their holiday movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, throughout the seventies, they start to produce animated sequels to the classic Christmas specials. So like sure. Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Oh yeah, you know, which was both of them together. Um, they have a lot of like cameos from other characters from the past holiday specials. Uh-huh. So like in Rudolph's shiny new year, they've got, you know, they come back for other specials, right? right so Jack right. Frost from Frosty's winter wonderland. And then later he gets his own special called right. Jack Frost. So it kind of becomes like a cast of characters where they all exist sort of in the same universe. You know? Yeah. Um, 
They do an original special in 1975 called The First Christmas, The Story of the First Christmas Snow. And Angela Lansbury is in that one. Oh, work. Um, and she stars in another one of their adaptations, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Uh, a, cl- a, a classic, the other one. Yeah. Um, and their final stop motion style Christmas story is The Life and Advent- Adventures of Santa Claus, which is taken from another Frank Albaum story. Um, and that L. is. Frank Baum. Oh, <laughs> L. Frank Baum. Did I? I might have said that earlier, too. I don't. You, I have My no, bad. I, if you did, I didn't catch it. <laughs> I just read it weird. Sorry. Um, And that's released in 1985. Uh Um, Okay. So among their other non-holiday pieces, we have their first theatrical film in 1965 called Willie McBean and His Magic Machine. It's a great title. It's a good one. Um, The Daydreamer in 1966, which is based on the stories of Hans Christian Andersen. And The Ballad of Smokey the Bear in 1966, which is about the U.S. Forest Service mascot. Love that. Smokey Bear. Um, Between 1972 and 73, they produced four animated TV movies for ABC's Saturday Superstar movie series. And those are Mad, Mad, Mad Monsters, Willie Mays and the Say Hey Kid, The Red Baron, and That Girl in Wonderland. Huh. Um, in 1977, they produce an animated version of The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then in 1980, they produce um, an animated version of The Return of the King. I forgot that they made that. Yeah. And The the Hobbit actually receives a Peabody Award. There yeah. Their animated version. So Yeah. I just forgot it was their well version of it. Right. That yeah. that Hobbit is theirs. Yeah. Um, they adapt other books like The Last Unicorn. Which... I, ju- I just watched The Last Unicorn for the first time very <laughs> oh, recently. That it's is, so good. It's um, the weirdest movie. It is. And the music is like, why is it that? Oh, it's great. That's my friend Hannah's favorite movie, like oh, of all so time. Good. Um, and the that is the other one that unicorn. Angela Lansbury is in. Yeah, she's great. Um, Fabulous. And that's based off the book by Peter S. Beagle. And then they do Peter Dickinson's The Flight of the uh, The Flight of Dragons uh-huh. and Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows, another mm. classic. Uh-huh. Um they also do a lot of TV shows in traditional animation. So they do a show in 1966 called The King Kong Show. Um, in 1970, they do the Tomfoolery Show. In 1971, the Jackson Five, and Five is spelled the number Five I V E. So really, it's the Jackson Five Five. Five of. Five of. Yeah. Um, and then in 1972, they do Kid Power and the Osmonds. Um, and then, of course, their most successful TV show was Ted Wolf's Thundercats. Oh, heck yeah. Ho in 1985. Um, and that's an action adventure series based on his line of toys. Uh-huh. Everybody knows that. Um, they do attempt some live action productions uh, like 1967's King Kong Escapes. Um, 1976's The Last Dinosaur, and 1978's The Bermuda Depths. Um, 
And then in 1980, they do The Ivory Ape. And in 1983, The Sins of Dorian Gray. Um, they're all made for TV films except for King Kong Escapes. Huh. And so Rankin actually meets his wife, Olga Carlados, after he casts her in The Sins of Dorian Gray. Um, and together they have two sons, Arthur Gardner Rankin III and Todd Rankin. Um, Rankin Bass shuts down its operations um, on March 4th, 1987, after they get acquired by Lorimar Telepictures, um, which is eventually bought, eventually bought by Warner Communications, which is, of course, now Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh-huh. Um, Rankin and his wife settle in Bermuda. Mm. Um, he still wants to produce stage shows, and he actually teaches courses on film and entertainment at Bermuda College. Um, on January 30th of 19... Wow, I'm just going to take that again, Uh because that was wrong. That's fine. On January 30th of 2014, Arthur Rankin Jr. dies after a brief uh, brief illness in his home at Harrington Sound, Bermuda. He's he's 89 years old. Um, and he is buried in Sunnyside, Bermuda's Holy Trinity Church Cemetery. Mm. Um, as far as Jules Bass, he is married to a woman named Renee Fisherman. They have one daughter together, Jean Nicole, um, but eventually they divorce and uh, he marries again to Sylvia Bass and they also divorce later. Um, after he finishes in the production industry, he actually writes three children's books. <laughs> the first is called Herb, the Vegetarian Dragon. I love that. And it's, like, the first kid's book to talk about, like, vegetarian, you know, like, lifestyles. As far as I could tell in my research, right? Um, And then he does another called Cooking with Herb the Vegetarian Dragon. Oh, my gosh. Um, They're both published in 1999. And then in 2013, he publishes The Mythomaniacs. Um, and that's about a teenage magician who sends a group of readers of his father's fairy tales into the books as characters. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a great children's book. <laughs> it's cool. It's very, um, what's that uh, movie? Uh, Page Master. Yes, Page Master. Thank you. <laughs> I, I knew what you were going for. I knew exactly <laughs> what you were going for. Yeah. He also writes um, an adult novel called Headhunters, which comes out in 2001, and it's about four women from New Jersey who go to Monte Carlo and pretend to be rich. Um, And later, in 2011, it's adapted into the film Monte Carlo starring Selena Gomez. Oh. Never thought Selena would come up in this. No. (laughs) I was not suspecting to hear you know from what? Selena Gomez in this episode. You gotta keep an eye out for the Selena, Amanda. <laughs> you gotta. She's always she's always around. Mm-hmm. On October 25th, two, 2022, um, Jules Bass dies at a retirement home in Rye, New York at the age wow. of 87. It's very and recent. His daughter actually died in January of 2022, so wow. she died just before him. Wow. Um, Franken Bass continues to make films they're just under new owners right Mm. um they make a couple more movies um the first being an animated adaption of the king and i in 1999 which mm, 
not great. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stereotypes in there that are real bad, but that mm-hmm. can also be said of the original story. Yeah. King and, um, and then in 2001, they they do another um, original Christmas film called Santa Baby. Um, why why that one? They were I running out of songs. <laughs> yes. Well, and the original, uh, you know, like writers weren't there anymore, so right. they were just like good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And there are, okay, so there are lots of different companies who own the rights to certain rank and bass things, right? It's not, it's all spread all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this year in 2022, they made, they reached an agreement among the many owners of their productions to release the complete rank and bass Christmas collection. It's a nine disc DVD box set. Wow. With a 24-page booklet and special features. Cool. And it has 18 specials comprising of every standalone Rankin-Bass-produced Christmas special, except for that new one, Santa Baby. So all Good. the other ones are Good. It doesn't need to be in there. there. Yeah. So that's that's Rankin-Bass. It was this a quick very one. interesting. Also, I'm pretty sure I said the year 1969 at one point and didn't say that's how <gasps> to the moon, so I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? I just realized as I was looking at, yeah, I definitely, it was in there. I was, it was oh one of gosh. those when I was listing through all the different specials. Yeah. And I wasn't paying attention. And I just thought to myself, I know I put that in my notes. Why didn't I say it? Because I just what? was Ugh. busting through. I'm so sorry. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It was Frost and Snowman. I, I know. Looking I back. let down the joke. I let down the joke. I'm so the sorry. The bit. Oh, my gosh. So it's when we went to the moon if you're uh-huh. wondering uh-huh. um but that's rankin bass um Great. i was a little disappointed i couldn't find more about their lives but there just wasn't a lot out there it was yeah. mostly just about the production company and there's a lot more that you can read about um the animators uh-huh. obviously um but i just wanted to talk about the christmas specials today for the most part and sure. like the kind of cultural significance the movies had on all of us not so much like deep dives into the production of all of them because that would be intense (laughs) oh my gosh yeah um but i do recommend reading up on all the animation and stuff it's very interesting it's very cool um yeah so that's that's christmas baby that's christmas baby hey do you want to take part in our new favorite segment (laughs) that we don't have a name for yet something along the lines of sawyer's got jokes Jokes from Sawyer. Jokes from my partner Sawyer. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to hear the joke? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sawyer's I'll, I'll got a joke it. for us this week. I'll yeah. Tell yeah. It. It's your um, topic. You can tell the Sawyer joke. Yeah, Sawyer said texted, the joke to both of us, but it was texted to us. Um, I don't know about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Um, with an image. <laughs> yeah. It's not just the joke. It's like a meme picture. Yeah. Um. Why did the snowman go to the dentist? Why? To fix his frostbite. Good stuff. Ba-dumps. Good stuff. Because there's the dentist. Because <laughs> in yeah, Rudolph. we didn't talk about the dentist. We probably should have. No, but that's why I know that's Rudolph. why they picked it. Because yeah. I was in on the conversation of they Did had a couple see, and they said which one is better. Speaking of the dentist, there was this TikTok a while ago. Oh I don't remember where it came from, but they had got it was like this mom had gotten this like book of things about rudolph it was like one of those um sensory like crinkly books oh yeah yeah. it was like rudolph so on each page it was like oh he's rudolph and he has a red nose and And his fur is soft and and she's cute or whatever and and one of them was like i'm herbie and i want to be a dentist and this woman like didn't get it 
She was like, this is so random. What does this have to do with anything? And we were all like, girl, did you watch the movie? Oh, my God. What are you talking about? It's not random. <laughs> it's a plot point. Exactly. It's a, a major crucial plot point. plot point. I love that movie. I'm going to have great. to watch it now. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it yet this season because we should wait till I get home. Maybe I will wait because I'm going to be doing a lot of baking over the weekend. You yeah. Guys. So maybe I'll wait and <laughs> watch it when I bake. But anyway. So, yeah, those are our Christmas specials, you guys. We did it. And this is our last episode of 2022. Yes, it is. Another great year uh-huh. for the podcast, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so quick scheduling things. Programming note. That programming update. So typically our next episode, like if we were sticking to our typical um, schedule, would be scheduled to come out on January 2nd. We are going to take a break. We're going to take that week off for the holidays. Yeah. (laughs) So there won't be a new episode the first Monday of the new year. Um, But then we're going to get back on our regular cadence. So basically the next episode is going to be January 16th. And then we'll just go like normal from there. Yeah. So if we were on our normal schedule, there would be an episode the second and then the 16th. But we're just going to skip that first one and it's going to come out on the 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, so just giving ourselves a little bit of a break here at the start of the new year. Mm-hmm. So just be aware there will be an extra week between episodes here. Yes. Um, extra couple of weeks. So that is where we are. I don't know what the topic is going to be in the new no. year. New year, who knows? New year, save us. Yep. <laughs> Which no plan. No plan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, th- hey, thank you all for a wonderful year of Remember yeah. That Time and Historical Podcast. It's been great. I can't believe it's almost the new year. It's crazy. My brain has not been able to focus on that because I have no. like, a de- I'm so one of those people now that like, I have a deadline at work. So uh, who knows when it is? I'm like stressed. Yeah. So that's all. Um <laughs> But we hope you have enjoyed this episode and all of the other episodes in 2022. And hey, we hope you'll come back for 2023. And if you have things that you want us to talk about in the new year, we would love to hear what those topic suggestions are. You can send them to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You could also still somehow find us on Twitter. Here's the thing, you guys. When I decide to leave Twitter on my personal account, that's when the podcast Twitter is going to stop. Yeah. So just because Anna's in charge of the social media. Yeah. So um, we are still on Twitter for now. I don't know how much longer it's going to last if I'm being honest. There's a very uh-huh. good chance that in the new year it might be gone. But you can yeah. follow us there at RTT Pod. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. Same handle, RTT Pod. Um, so maybe start relying on that one a yeah, little maybe bit the, more. Yeah, a little bit. And also, you sure, can if, you need to, if you need to get at us, get at us over there. Yeah. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook because, guys, who knew? That Facebook we'd be dumping our Twitter, Twitter account before our Facebook account. I Good never God. thought that would happen. Um, but yeah, so find us over there. Just search the name of the podcast. We'll come up. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Wow. Whew, wow 2022. Indeed. Yeah. Well, we well Merry Christmas to you all. <laughs> happy, to all a happy new year because we won't see you in the new happy year happy holidays yes for whatever holiday you celebrate hope you have a good yes. one if you don't celebrate a holiday i hope you have a great winter and you know don't get too sad with the dark and cold yep. um and until next time remember that time mm-hmm.